Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finch. Well, Happy New Year. This is going to be a good one, right? It's going to be the best. God only makes the best. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We'll get there in a few minutes. Uh, every new year, uh, millions of Americans make resolutions to change. And every year by April, those same millions have given up their resolutions as unattainable. As Christians, all of us would say that we want to change so that we will be more like Christ. And every new year, there's an opportunity to change your mindset. Have a set of ideas and directions that perhaps you intended to do last year, but this year you really want to do it again. Let me just, let me just encourage you. But, you know, here's the problem. The problem is, is that we fail so many times in the past that we're afraid of making promises for the future. This morning I want to talk to you about how you can change for good. How you can change for good. Now when I say good, I mean both things. How you can change for good permanence and how you can change for good about your character and behavior. Because as I prayed about as we start off this new year, we started a series called Kingdom Culture. We all grew up in a culture. Mine was in the Panhandle. I've moved three times in, in Texas to three different areas of Texas. I can tell you there's three different cultures in every place I've moved. In other words, there's a different culture in every place I move. There's a different way of life. There's a different way of thinking. Uh, for Lampasas, it's us Yalus. Right? We all have different. But here's the thing that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about a kingdom culture. A kingdom culture. And when we talk about kingdom, we're talking about the kingdom of God. That God has a culture by which every culture literally one day will be swallowed up in. Revelation says that one of these days that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of God. So I think it would be wise if we just got a head start. And we got in on the kingdom culture now so that when the kingdom culture comes, we'll already be a part of it. So I want to talk to you about how to change for good. So what is the kingdom culture? What is the kingdom of God? The both words are important, the kingdom and culture. So what's the kingdom of God? I want you to know that the kingdom of God was the primary message of Jesus. It was the reason he came. Jesus came to restore and establish the kingdom of God that had always been. You see, God has always been in charge. He created it, He made it, and He manages it. Everything is under His control. And when you think about kingdom, and there's some Greek words in kingdom that, that help you to really define it. The word kingdom itself is basilia, which means kingdom. Basilios means the king. You can't have a kingdom without a king. Basilio is the reign of that king or the government of that king or the rule of that king. And basilikos is that which belongs to the king, which he rules. Now, how many of you know that God's large and in charge? 
that everything that's ever been, that will ever be, past, present, and future, right now, as well as then and will be in the future, God is in charge of. In other words, God rules over all. Over all. There is nothing independent of the management and government and rule of God. There is the ultimate kingdom of God, but there's also the present kingdom. Jesus came, and when he came, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is at hand, is near. John the Baptist said it first. Jesus said it. Did you know that the primary message, the gospel itself, is the gospel of the kingdom, the rule, the reign of God? Jesus came to restore man to the kingdom of God. We have the opportunity to live, if you're, literally, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, you're a foreigner in this culture. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away, everything has become new. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells, 5.17 tells us. You've got to understand that when you came to Christ, you stepped into another kingdom. You became an alien in this world, a citizen of two kingdoms. While you were born here, you were born again from there. The kingdom. So we're going to talk about the kingdom. And God has a way in which He rules, which is the culture. When you try to define what's culture, well, let me say this. Let me go back to kingdom because I want you to see. Matthew 6.33 says, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The kingdom was the central message of Jesus and the apostles. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when you receive Him, Paul says in Colossians 1.13, For He, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Here's the reality, why everybody, why doesn't everybody belong to the kingdom of God? John, Jesus told uh, Nicodemus in John 3, 3, Nicodemus, assuredly I tell you, unless you've been born from above, you can't even see the kingdom. The kingdom of God, you enter by birth. Following any other kingdom of this world, no matter how great or how powerful it seems, will lead you to disappointment, darkness, and ultimate destruction. There's a culture to this kingdom that Jesus introduced. Now, what's culture? Cambridge English Dictionary states that culture is the way of life, especially the general customs and beliefs of a particular group of people at a particular time. Culture is the ways of thinking, the ways of acting, and the material objects that together shape a people's way of life. I didn't realize this, but our modern term of culture actually originates with an ancient Roman orator, Cicero, where he wrote about it. And here's how he described it. He said, it's a cultivation of the soul. It's the cultivation of the soul. How many of you know that when you were born into your family, you were cultivated? You were brought up at what mama said, what daddy said. How you work, you learned your, your ethics, you learned your work, you learned how to live, you learned your behavior. You, you know, the belt still talks. Right? It's amazing how you developed, you cultivated your soul. God, 
God used your parents to cultivate you. Well, culture is still cultivating. And listen, culture is the behavior patterns which govern life in a given society. And what I'm going to be talking to you over the next few weeks is the kingdom culture. The government of God in the life of a believer. We're going to be talking about cultivating a kingdom lifestyle. Jesus, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's king of kings. So the, where, where the king is, the king. And so if you're going to see what kind of life it's going to be, you're going to have to look to Jesus. Jesus and the kingdom are the way, the truth, and the life. Now listen to me. Not just the way to heaven. Not just the truth about sin and life. Not just the truth about living uh, a good life. It's the truth about a way of living that God governs. A kingdom, cultivating a kingdom lifestyle. It's a way to think, to act, to feel, to be in every relation and in every situation. So saying that, how do we get there? How do we change? Because most of the time, how many of you want to change the way you look? Good luck. But how many times do we make New Year's resolutions? I want to get rid of some of this and I want to get some of that. You know, the deal is we want to change, but how do you do it? I want to tell you, I want to change in the reality of the kingdom in my life. I want to start walking in a new uh, power, a new authority. I want to, I want to understand how to do it. And that's what I'm going to be talking about, the kingdom culture. Cultivating a kingdom lifestyle. But how do you do it? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Uh, Somebody come to me after the first service and said, you preached on this last year. I said, I did. So this is not the message I preached last year. Kingdom culture. How do you change for good? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Look at it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The message translation says it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you is the embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I know these verses are familiar to you. We've probably even memorized, but here's the thing about it. Most of the time, we're very familiar with something we don't live. It's easy to say what we should do, what we wish we would do, what we could do. But I want you to know what I'm wanting to do this morning My new role is called teaching pastor. I want to teach you this morning. I really do. I want this to be more of a practical, the most practical thing about how to really change your life and adapt it and align it with the kingdom. 
And so I want to teach you, because here's the thing. So much of the time, we let sermons and things become religious or spiritual. We, we read the Bible and we think, yeah, isn't that good? And then we go on and do anything we want to. And here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to just to see what would it take for me to really change the way I'm living. Now, you may be living the best life you possibly could. But let me tell you, I don't, I've been a Christian for a long time. But I want to tell you, I'm more excited and I'm more anxious to step into what God has for this year than I've ever been before. And because you're always growing, there's always something that God wants to change. Well, how do you do it? How do you do it where it's really permanent? I don't want to change. I don't want a quick fix. I don't want to just say I did so. I want it to be real in my life and real in my actions. So how do you do it? Romans chapter 12. First of all, just two points this morning. It's going to be long points. Two points. First point is you give yourself over to the rule, the government of Jesus. Now that sounds real easy. Well, I'm just going to commit my life to Christ. No, I didn't say your life. I'm saying yourself. You know, that part of you that has its own ideas. That part of you that reasons and logic and habits and goals. Here's my goal for the new year. My goal for the new year is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Well, preacher, that's impossible. No, it's not. It's what Jesus came to do, to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Father in my life. Now, when I say give yourself over to the rule of Jesus, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about getting saved, giving your life to Christ. Because Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. He's talking to people who already know. In other words, in chapter 12, he's talking to the people who understood chapters 1 through 11 of Romans. Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that there's none other, uh, there's none other one you can be saved except Jesus. And it takes faith through, in grace. And it's grace alone. Now by one man's obedience, we are made right with God. He's talking to those brothers. He's saying, look, this is what you already understand. There's no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. So he's talking to people who already know. I'm not talking about giving your life to Jesus for salvation, for deliverance, for forgiveness. I'm talking about giving yourself to the rule and government of Christ. In fact, Paul says it this way. I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies, because you've experienced the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Your bodies. Your bodies are your outward expression of your real life. The message says it this way. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. The part. That's the part. That's what I'm talking about. That's the self. Here's what. Here's the thing. I'm not talking about your Sunday life. I'm talking about your Monday through Saturday life. Present that life to the rule and government of Jesus. Well, you're talking about something different, aren't you, preacher? Yeah, I am. I'm not talking about Sunday attendance. I'm not talking about the attendance of your life to the lordship 
of Jesus Christ. It's the part of you that touches, lives in, and interacts with this world. Present that self, your working self, your playing self, your job self, your marriage self, your family self, that self as a living sacrifice. To present means to deliberately place it before God, a living sacrifice, an offering, the message says. In other words, you're giving the best you have, the best of you, you're giving it over to the Lord. Sometimes we misunderstand the Old Testament sacrifices. We think that the Old Testament sacrifice, they gave the animal to cover their sin. In reality, if you understand the Old Testament sacrifice, the reason God wanted them to give it is that that animal sacrifice represented them. And they were to bring and present themselves in the picture of this sacrifice to the Lord. The word sacrifice here doesn't talk about the Day of Atonement. It doesn't talk about the different sacrifices that they were to do on holidays. It was talking about the daily sacrifice. That they were to come and present that daily. Sometimes it was a pigeon, sometimes it was a grain. It just, in other words, it was a constant presenting, deliberately handing over themselves to God. That's the self. I present a living, not dead, living, which is holy and acceptable. Holy means set apart for God's use. Acceptable means that which is well-pleasing to God. And let me tell you something. Nothing would please God more this morning than you give yourself to Him. Now, I'm telling you, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about rededicate your life. I'm talking about you literally present your life, your self, your body, that part that connects you with the world, you present that to God. And that word present is in the aorist penticular in Greek. Don't you glad you know that now? Well, what is penticular? It means you present it, and you present it, and you present it, and you present it. You know, we, we used to have movie cameras. You remember how they used to fl- flicker? Because they were going through all the pictures. Now we have the iPhones and the things that we can take. But did you know that every movie that you've made, every video that you make, is literally individual pictures? And you can pull out any one of them. That's penticular. It is meaning that every aspect of it is to be presented to God. You present it. So when you get up in the morning, you look at that sweet, cute face in the mirror, you present it to God. When you step up and say, hello, honey, you present it to God. You present every aspect. When you go into work, you're presenting it to God. You're literally presenting yourself as a living sacrifice set apart for the use of the Father, which is well-pleasing to Him. You want to please God? Let me tell you what pleases God more than Not what you accomplish for Him, but what you present to Him. Not talking about giving you money. Talking about giving yourself. Let me tell you, if he has yourself, he has your money. I'm not talking about making a donation. I'm talking about a presentation of yourself. You know, here's, and he said, by the mercies of God, because of the price he's paid for you, the least you can do is give yourself to him because he's going to fulfill in you everything that he's required of you. That's good news. 
He's not going to ask anything of you that he himself is not going to fulfill in you because he's come to live his kingdom in you. So as I give myself to him, here's the thing. It is well-pleasing to him because now he has something he can use to glorify himself. So my first part is just give yourself to the rule, the government. And if it's not legalism. It's not do's and don'ts. It's presenting yourself to one who loves you so much that he gave himself for you, that he might give himself to you, that he might live a life that would be well-pleasing to him and the best for you. To live it through you. Give yourself. And it says, which is your reasonable act or your reasonable service. That word reasonable means logical. It's the logical best you can give. Your Bible may say worship. Some, I think New American Standard says a, a service of worship. Worship is not necessarily singing a song. Worship isn't when you feel the goosebumps in the worship service. That's actually praise. Praise is action celebrating what God's already done and what He's doing. Worship It's when I live out of what God has done and what God is doing Monday through Saturday that I say I believe on Sunday. That I'm living. That's my worship. My worship really starts when I leave here. My worship really begins and really is really uh, uplifting to God as I live my life under the government of Jesus. And it's just logical. It's the reasonable thing. That's what I want to do. I hope that's what you want to do. And so many times we've done so only to find ourselves falling back into old habits and situations. How many times have you committed your life to Christ? How many times have you given yourself over to God? I can say in 65 years, that's been my resolution for at least 54 of them. The reason I'm saying that is I became a Christian at nine. I didn't know. I always try. Here's the thing. Most of my Christian life was trying harder. Right? I want to change where it's not about trying. It's about trusting. So it's a kingdom culture. So how do I do it? Number two, by renewing your mind. Give yourself over to the rule of Jesus by renewing your mind. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, preacher, why didn't you say don't be conformed and be transformed? Because those two things only happen after a renewing of your mind. You see, apart from renewing your mind, you won't stop being conformed to this world. The natural thing is for you to be formed to the culture you're living in. The very natural thing is for you to take on the mold of the place you're living. Some of you have moved to Lampasas, and I don't know how many times I've heard how hard Lampasas is to get in connected with. Right? Boy, it's just, it's just tough to be included. It's just tough. Why? Because there's a culture already here. What I want you to understand is, you already have a culture before we talk about the kingdom culture. You were already raised in a culture. 
I had a family life. I was raised in a Baptist culture. Some of you were raised in a denominational culture. Some of you were raised in a Catholic culture. Everything, every way of thinking, every way of living, every way of being. Uh, I was raised in the Panhandle, moved to North Texas, and then moved down to, to Central Texas. And every place had a different culture. And let me tell you, there's one culture that will transcend all the others. And that's the kingdom culture. Because one day all of the king, all the cultures of this world will be swallowed up into the kingdom of kingdom culture. Because Revelation tells us that one day all the kingdoms of these world will become the kingdom of God. So let's just get a head start. Let's get a head start on that kingdom culture that we're going to live in for all eternity now. So how do we do that? By the renewing of your mind. You see... Not conforming to the world and being transformed is a work of God through you believing Him. But now talk about renewing the mind. The word renew is anakonosis. Anakonosis. It means to renew qualitatively. It means to renovate. Anybody watch Fixer Upper? Yeah, Fixer Upper. Chip and Joanne. Right? And what do they do? They take something that has been well used, lived in, something that's of the past, and they take it, they get it for a good price, and then they renovate it. They change it. They renew it. They, it becomes something that is actually qualitatively different. Yes, it's the same house, but boy, it is nothing like the house they started with. Renewing your mind, it's the same mind, but it's nothing like what... It's to change for the better. It's to change permanently for the good. To renew your mind is to renovate what has been into what's supposed to be. The better. The best. Chip and Joanne has made millions out of taking junk and turning it into treasure. And people have paid for it and watch them on TV to do it. They're changing the flip culture. I wonder how many people are buying homes and flipping them now because of what they've seen, what people could do with what was. Can you imagine what God could do if we could catch His culture and start to live accordingly and start flipping lives for the glory of God? And it starts with me and it starts with you. How do I change permanently and in my character and behavior? I do it by renewing my mind. That word mind here is called nous. N-O-U-S in the Greek. It's the organ that gives us the ability to perceive things. Most of us think of it as our brain. And I really believe our brain is connected to it. But I, I think it's bigger and deeper than our brain. Our noose. It's the organ that gives us the ability to perceive things. It causes us to be able to understand and live intelligently on this earth. To discern and make choices. What I'm talking about in renewing your mind, I'm not talking about just changing what you think. I'm not talking about just new information. I'm talking about changing how you think. 
changing the source from which you reason, the truth you perceive. It's not just about information. It's about thinking differently. I've used this before, but I want you to think with me. It, it's like the... Now, some of you are old enough to remember when you only had AM radio. Right? AM radio. Kids have no clue what I'm talking about. AM radio, you've seen it in movies when they sit on the floor and listen to this box. It was before TV. It was before telephone. Before the party line. Yeah, I'm old enough. But then there came something that it, they, AM was really good, and then there came to be FM. Now, FM was a totally different signal than AM. You couldn't receive FM on AM. Here's what I want you to see this. I want you to understand, if I can, God's frequency is FM. The world's frequency is AM. When Adam sinned, he lost that ability, that FM station, he lost that life, that signal, and he woke up the next morning on an AM channel, all about me, all about me. It's all about my flesh. It's all about protecting me. It's all about blaming somebody else. It wasn't my fault. It's all about me. Everyone born since Adam was born tuned in to the AM station. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I can get. It's all about what I can do. It's all about me. Now, God didn't change stations. Now God starts speaking to them, still from the FM signal to them, to get them to know Him, trying to reveal Himself through creation. Revealing to the descendants of Adam. But if you'll search this word mind through Romans, you'll find out something happened in Romans 1 when, when everybody knew that He was God because of creation and the things that expressed Him. But they didn't, they didn't want Him to be God. They didn't acknowledge Him to be good. You see, it was God, it was about them. It wasn't about Him. And so in Romans 1.28, I want to show you something. Romans 1.28, Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved, yours may say reprobate, mind. To do those things which are not proper. When man refused God's revelation of himself and didn't consider God worth knowing, God gave them over. Remember, God was still in charge. It was still his kingdom. But he gave them over to another way of thinking. He gave them over to a depraved mind. He gave them over. The word gave them over means that he gave them up to be governed and controlled by a new way of thinking. 
Generation after generation since Adam have been born into this AM, all about me world. And note the end product of this all away, all about me. To do those things which are not proper. They will never be approved of. That word reprobate or depraved means unacceptable, unworthy, or worthless way of thinking. Folks, it won't work. It doesn't matter how smart you are, what you can invent, what all this. But in the ultimate, in the end, that way of thinking is not, it's going to end up in destruction. And here's one I, what I want you to get to. The mind, this word mind, this organ that God gave us by which we discern and live, this mind always affects your conduct. Where your mind is directly reflects where you live and how you handle things and how you perceive things, how you understand things, and from the source becomes the source by which you choose things. How you make decisions in life depends on where your mind is. How many of you ever told you could get your mind off that? How many of you ever been told? Get your mind out of the gutter. Yeah? The gutter is the worthless things. And where you put your mind is where you perceive things and and where you make decisions from. Whether it's being affected by the AM, all about me, or whether it's being affected by the FM, God's channel. Now here's the good news. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, something happens to you. You're switched to FM. You're different. You're born from above. You're alive to God. God doesn't just save your soul. He saves your mind and He switches it to His signal. You are able to hear my sheep, hear my voice. They follow me. You now can hear the signal from God. That's why we call it conviction. You become convinced of things in your life that you were never troubled by before. Because God, suddenly you have a new signal, a new source by which you can discern, understand, and make decisions by. You choose. God made a... But here's the thing. It's just like my old radio in my car. First car I ever owned was AM, FM radio. And there was a little switch on the face of that radio. And when you wanted FM... Now, I lived in the country... We had one FM station. And if you live in the country and you have one FM station, do you know what that station is? Country. I had a lot of choices on the AM station. You can get an AM station from all kinds of different directions. You listening to me? You hearing? All kinds of stations in AM. And I remember it was a lot easier to flip the switch from FM to AM because... I was more familiar with the FM. I enjoyed, I mean the AM. I would enjoy those. I, those were the ones I grew up listening to. This FM was something different. Now here's the bad news. I told you the good news that you got a switch and God switched you to the FM. Now you can hear Him. The bad news is, is He didn't erase the AM. Bad news is that the AM is still playing really loud in the world. And there's lots of choices. 
and it's all about me. And the am is really the patterns of life that you've built up over time. All your experiences, your culture, your information from the past is still there. And it's still speaking and it's still filling in the blanks of your life. Now this is important. You don't have to think about it. You just step into an experience and your mind fills in the rest of the story from the patterns that were formed there in your youth. Something happens. Somebody slaps you on the right side. I know the Bible says turn the other cheek. Is that what you do? Your first instinct is to do what you did when your brother slapped you on your face. Is slap him back. You didn't have to think about it. It was a reflex because it was the way of life that you grew up with. You hit me, I hit you. It's all about me. We lived up in a lifestyle that developed patterns in our mind, our way of thinking, that we no longer have to think about, we just do. Guess what? When you were switched to FM, you still had all the signals of the AM still there. In fact, you had patterns, and your mind doesn't even have to think about it for you to act on it. Your mind is expect most of, most of what you do every day of your life, you don't have to think about. It is a pattern by which you live. It is a pattern by which you act, how you speak, what you do. You see, you're going to sleep. How many of you ever have a set time to go to sleep? It's called bedtime. Okay? You've set a pattern. And if you change that pattern, don't talk to you in the morning. It's all about me. It's so hard to change the patterns. And here's the thing I want, and, and I want to show it to you. Let's, let's put that up there. I want you to read this with me. I want you to read it out loud. According to research at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first and last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total mess and you can still read it without a problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole. Amazing, huh? And you thought it mattered about spelling. Isn't that amazing? You can read that just because the first and last letters are correct. Your mind takes all of the mess and gives you an understanding. It switches you. Now, let me tell you, why is that? Because you're familiar with all of those words. They are words that you've used throughout your life. You were, ta- you were taught the ABCs. You were taught how to read. Pretty soon, you're no longer reading the Word. You're just looking at the first and last, and your mind fills in the blank of what the Word is. How many of you have not read the right words sometimes? Because you filled in what you thought it was going to say. How many of you, when you were reading a book and you come to a Scripture, you skip over the Scripture because you already know, your mind says, you already know what that says. You've read that a hundred times. And so you make a presumption because of the pattern and you live accordingly. Now you could not do that if you're learning a foreign language. If that was written in Spanish, some of you might could, but I couldn't. 
Why? Because I don't know and I'm not familiar with this new thing, this new language called Spanish or whatever language you would do. You know, I use a lot of Greek when I'm talking, teaching because I want you to understand words matter. But I'm not trying to teach you the Greek so that you will know the words. I'm trying to teach you the Greek in order for you to understand there's a way the kingdom works. And it's a pattern and that word's important. So that you know what the word means, not just what you think it says. What is it? What do you preach? What are you trying to tell me? You see, the AM is so familiar and you've developed patterns that even when you make a commitment to give yourself over to God and you start to live in a new year and you start trying real hard, you just let the least little things come along from the AM station, the All About Me station. And what you do is you revert back quickly to the pattern that you were familiar with because it's comfortable because it's something you're already familiar with. And because here's what we say. It's just the way I am. Well, that's the problem. I don't want to be the way I am. I want to be the way I'm supposed to be. I want to be the way God wants me to be. I want to be the conformed to the image of Jesus. That's what I want. Well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to start new patterns in my life that I get familiar with that it becomes the Common, it becomes the familiar, it becomes the real way, it becomes the source of my life instead of everything I've done in the past. You didn't, you don't do that quickly. How many of you just knew your ABCs the first time they told you? Most of us knew it because we learned the song. Then you had to learn the letter. Then you had to learn the letters put together. Then they started teaching you about vowels. And then they started talking about the consonants and all this. And then you had to put them in a sentence. And now you had to have punctuation with the sentence. And now you had to have understanding. Now you had paragraphs. Now you had pages. Now you had books. That's when you quit reading. <laughs> it's just too much. Most of us have done that with God. It's so much easier to be what I've been than to be what I want to be. Because it's going to take me having to believe there's a new source in my life. There's a new signal. And it's not just about me getting the information. Do you know your brain can hold 2.5 petra, I think it's petabytes? Yeah, petabytes. Anybody know what a petabyte is? It's a million gigabytes. You know what a gigabyte is? It's a million megabytes. And a megabyte is a million bytes. Anybody want a byte? Your brain can hold 2.5 petabytes of data. So you're not going to have to get a hard drive anytime soon. A new hard drive. But here's the thing I want you to see. Your short-term memory can only handle five to nine bits of information at any given time. What you act on randomly, purposefully, not I said randomly, what you act on is what you want to be. 
when we act repeatedly on what we understand, it literally builds neural pathways in the brain that will make them a way of life, that will make them a culture. How many of you cut your meat the way your daddy and mother cut their meat? It's amazing to me. Uh, I had some friends from England, and it amazed me they eat with their fork upside down. Now, it's right side up to them. It's upside down to me. They put their food on the back of their fork. It's the back of the fork. To me, it's the right side to them because they were brought up. It's the pattern by which they grew up in. Every one of us have grown up with the patterns of our life because you continually to practice that way. Have you ever tried to do something left-handed when you're right-handed? Have you ever tried to do something right-handed when you're left-handed? Try to learn. Listen, to learn. You, anything you learn, you have to practice. When you stop practicing you, and you focus on something else, that will wither and this will become primary. Now listen to what. We make something we want to be in the new year. We want to be right with God. We want to do this. Then you're going to have to practice the patterns that you want to become. And if you, as you keep practicing them, they become the way of life and they replace, they are not conformed to the mold of what used to be or what the world says. They become molded to this new source of life, this FM signal from God. And as I continue to practice them, I become more like them. And as I add to those practices... I develop a culture that's lived for the glory of God instead of it being all about me. And I do it by presenting myself to God and by practicing. The J.B. Phillips translation of verse 2 is very good. Listen to this. The New Testament in modern English says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't keep practicing what the world does. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. I don't know how many people that have told me I can't tithe. I'm talking about over the line. I, I can't tithe. I can't tithe. I can't afford to tithe. I can't. But when they start the practice... And they get into the practice of stewardship and tithing. I'm not just talking about tithing. I'm not talking about giving. I'm talking about when I get into that practice, then suddenly God starts to act on what he said is true. And God begins to, to grow something that I don't even know how it happens. God does something that I thought he'd never do because it's according to his principles. It's according to his culture. And because I'm faithful to do what he said and I get in the pattern, suddenly I realize the blessings of God are coming to me in a way that I never thought would happen because I just started to practice something. Now you think I'm talking about money. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the changing the way I thought about provision. Changing of the way you think. Thinking from another source. 
I have to let the FM, the voice of God, the ministry of His Spirit guide me into truth and become that to become my perception, that to become my truth. I have to let God's Word dictate the way that I live my life, my everyday life. And the more that I respond to it, the more I put it into practice, the more it becomes a part of me. And it really is good for me, and it meets all His demands, and it moves toward the goal of true maturity. How do I tune into the FM station? Where do I get what God wants? What does God really want from me? How do I know? This book is the story of the kingdom. It possesses the very words, the truths, the principles of God written down, preserved and available to anyone to know. But they're spiritually discerned. You won't get them until you come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And even after you become a Christian and they're spiritually discerned, it's like your ABCs. You learn by practice. You learn by putting them into practice. Listen to me. Most of us know a lot more Bible than we practice. And when I'm talking about pride, again, please hear me. I'm not talking about do's and don'ts and legalism. I'm talking about a relationship with the creator of the universe that has given me an expression of his will. And if I will just put it into practice, I will discover it works. And it's the only thing that will work and ultimately will be in the end. It is the way of life that works. You don't have, it doesn't happen quickly, but you can start now. It's time to give your everyday life to God as an offering. One last thing. You don't do this alone. You will never have to do it alone. You have brothers and sisters who would love to walk with you in it. The worst thing you can do is try to be alone because AM sounds so louder than FM. The AM of your past will always reach back into your future, reach into your future to drag you back to your past. You don't have to do it. Let me show you Romans 12, 1 in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. God's at work in you. He's flipped the switch. He's at work in you both to will, to choose it, and to do it according to His good Philippians 2.13 God will help you with this. He won't do it for you, but He will help you. He gave us the Holy Spirit to come alongside, to teach us, to guide us. Into, you know, here's the thing about a guide. He goes before you, but you have to follow He will empower you, but you have to participate. You've got to understand, if you want to be different for good, if you want to be changed for good permanently, change your patterns. I can't, there are all these kind of, if you've ever been a coach, 
You have to get the kids to do something they don't know how to do so they can become something they always wanted to be. The reality is, God, the Holy Spirit's the best coach you can ever have because He'll just keep telling you. He'll keep pressing you. Here's the thing. The key is to stay switched to FM. Yeah, I know what I used to be, and yeah, I know how that felt, and I know what, but I also know what it is. It was good for nothing. It got me in trouble, kept me in trouble, and kept me in misery. At least this new pattern, I may be trying to learn it. I may be making a lot of mistakes at it, but Lord, I'm headed for you. I present myself to you again. God, I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. But I present myself to you again. I present my everyday life. Yeah, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. I present myself. Yeah, Lord, I shouldn't have acted that way. I present myself to you. Now, I want to have the source. I want to be on the right channel, Lord. And I, 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 I protect. I participate in what the Spirit is saying. And God develops in me new patterns. And I become what God intends for me to be. 2019 is a year of opportunity to step into a kingdom culture. And let me tell you what kingdom also says. It is a kingdom of power and authority. Demons flee. Disease leaves. Because we now, it's not living because I can do it. It's living in a pattern that now, because I'm living in the pattern, it will happen. Provision is there because he provides for his own. The king takes care of his citizens. Let's step into the kingdom culture. Would you bow with me? Father, I'm asking you to pour out your spirit upon us this morning. Lord, we receive Jesus. We present ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. And Lord, we want to change the way we think. Lord, will you step in to the reality of our world and change our heart, change our mind, change the way we think. Lord, let your kingdom come. Your governing rule be done on earth in me as it is in heaven. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.